0: Good morning. In today's headlines, former President Trump could be facing a third indictment. The 2024 candidate says it's election interference. Find out how Trump and others are reacting.
1: The Department of Justice and Attorney General Merrick Garland have been hit with a new lawsuit. The suit claims Hunter Biden should have been registered as a foreign agent.
0: A U.S. soldier willfully crosses into North Korea where he is now detained. U.S. officials weigh in on the situation.
1: The House of Representatives has passed a resolution affirming support for Israel. It follows one lawmaker's criticism of the country.
0: 19 days at over 110 degrees. Phoenix has set a new record, and it may not be over anytime soon. We have the details.
1: And the row over the phrase Taco Tuesday has finally come to a conclusion, but one New Jersey restaurant has vowed to keep up the fight. Good morning. Welcome to NTD. I'm Kevin Hogan.
0: Good morning. I'm Evelyn Lee. Today is Wednesday, July 19.
1: It looks like the legal challenges to Trump are really piling up.
0: That's right. It seems like they're going after him and his allies now for trying to overturn the election.
1: Well, yeah, after pro-Trump lawyer Sidney Powell made the claims that there's widespread election fraud. And we know your time is busy, so we're going to get right into the details of this.
0: Right. Former President Trump says he is a target of the January 6th grand jury investigation. He says he received a letter Sunday from special counsel Jack Smith. The step usually comes before an indictment. That would be a third for Trump in the lead up to the 2024 presidential election.
1: Yes, and Michigan's attorney general filed felony charges against 16 Republicans yesterday. They are accused of acting as fake electors in the Senate in the state for Trump in twenty twenty entities Jeremy Sandberg has more on Trump's January 6 target letter and the charges Republicans in Michigan are facing.
2: Trump says he was told by his attorney Sunday night. Special counsel Jack Smith sent a letter stating he was a target of the January 6 grand jury investigation.
3: I don't think they have ever sent a letter on Sunday night. And they're in a rush because they want to interfere. It's interference with the election. It's election interference. never been done
2: like this in the history of our country. The former president and 2024 presidential candidate reacted during a Fox News town hall in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, that was aired Tuesday.
3: It's a disgrace. What's happening to our country, whether it's the borders or the elections or kinds of things like this, where the DOJ has become a weapon for the Democrats.
2: Trump says he has four days to report to the grand jury. He wrote on Truth Social that almost always means an arrest and indictment. House GOP leaders say there is a two-tiered justice system under the Biden administration that is unfairly targeting Trump.
4: We have yet again another example of Joe Biden's weaponized Department of Justice targeting his top political opponent, Donald Trump.
5: And whether it's real or not, we have a committee looking into the weaponization of government and unfortunately there's example after example after example of the Biden administration weaponizing government against their
2: political enemies. Democratic Representative Pete Aguilar says it's about truth and accountability. We're appreciative of the work of the Department of Justice uh, and uh, their focus on staying true to uh, finding the facts and holding people accountable. Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel announced charges Tuesday against 16 people accused of signing certificates claiming Trump won Michigan in the 2020 election. They
4: may have felt compelled to follow the call to action from a president they held fealty to. They may have even genuinely believed that this was their patriotic duty. But none of those reasons or feelings provide legal justification to violate the law and upend our Constitution and our nation's traditions of representative government, self-determination, and a government by the people.
2: The Democrat attorney general says all 16 people will face eight criminal charges, including forgery and conspiracy to commit election forgery. The top charges carry a maximum penalty of 14 years in prison. Nestle's office says the 16 individuals are set to appear for arraignment at a date provided to each by the court. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News.
0: Several GOP contenders in the 2024 presidential race shared their thoughts on the potential indictment.
1: Former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley suggested Trump drop out of the 2024 Republican contest. She says Trump's lawsuits take emphasis off other critical election issues like border security, foreign policy, and the national debt.
0: Former Republican Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson went one step further. He says not only should Trump suspend his campaign, but that he should be disqualified for his actions on January 6th.
1: Florida Governor Ron DeSantis says Trump could have done more to stop the chaos at the Capitol on January 6th, but suggested his actions weren't criminal. He also criticized the idea of jailing political opponents.
0: Businessman Vivek Ramaswamy called the potential charges un-American. He says weaponizing the justice system against political opponents is a dangerous road to go down.
1: On to another Trump case. The former president's legal team and federal prosecutors disagree on the timing of the classified documents trial. A court hearing on the issue took place yesterday. Here are the details.
3: U.S. District Judge Eileen Cannon on Tuesday presided over her first court hearing on former President Trump's classified documents case. During the hearing, Trump's lawyers asked the judge not to treat Trump the same as any other defendant in setting the timing for his trial. They cited his presidential campaign and asked the judge to consider an indefinite delay of the trial date. Federal prosecutors, on the other hand, asked for the trial to start this December. They told the judge that the case is not complex and there's no need for a lengthy delay. The judge did not rule either way. She pressed Trump's lawyers to set some dates in a more concrete timetable, but acknowledged they needed more time to review documents and footage. She also appeared skeptical of prosecutors' requests to start the trial in December. She questioned prosecutors on whether there were other similar cases involving classified documents tried in such a short timeframe. Cannon said she wanted to first focus on discovery evidence and set a concrete roadmap for the case. She said, we need to set a timetable, some deadlines can be established now. She said she would issue a written order after the hearing. Trump pleaded not guilty last month to 38 counts that accuse him of conspiring to hide classified documents from Justice Department investigators. Trump didn't attend the hearing on Tuesday, but his personal aide and co-defendant, Walt Nauta, did.
0: <laughs> the House Oversight Committee released a timeline yesterday documenting the Biden family's alleged influence-peddling schemes. This, as the committee is preparing to hear testimony from two IRS whistleblowers on the same topic. And Arian Pasdar brings us more.
6: The House Oversight Committee on Tuesday released a new timeline. Lawmakers say the timeline contains important dates as to when Joe Biden knew and lied to the American people about his family's business schemes. One of the main takeaways is that Hunter Biden was allegedly involved in deals with foreign nationals from Kazakhstan, Ukraine and Romania while his father was in office. The timeline alleges, for example, that Biden family accounts received approximately $1.038 million from the Robinson Walker LLC, which got the money from Romanian nationals. Lawmakers also say that then-Vice President Biden traveled to Romania to meet with people involved in the scheme. In total, the Biden family allegedly received over $10 million from foreign nationals and their related companies. President Biden has repeatedly denied knowing anything about his family's business dealings.
0: A second IRS whistleblower from the Hunter Biden criminal tax investigation will testify today before the House Oversight Committee. Just the news obtained the agent's prepared testimony. It alleges the U.S. attorney working on the case sought tougher charges against Hunter Biden.
1: Attorney General Merrick Garland is in the hot seat. A lawsuit has been filed against the Attorney General and the Department of Justice.
0: It centers on allegations the agency failed to enforce having Hunter Biden register as a foreign agent.
1: The conservative group America First Legal filed the suit. It says the DOJ in Garland had an obligation to force Hunter Biden to register with the agency. This while he was sitting on the board of Ukrainian energy firm Burisma Holdings Limited. The group also says Hunter Biden's business deals with Chinese oil magnate Yi Jianming should have been subject to having him register as a foreign agent.
0: The lawsuit cited alleged text messages from Hunter Biden in those he reportedly said he would set up a separate entity known as CEFC America to avoid registering as a foreign agent under the Foreign Agent Registration Act. Hunter Biden served as a board member of Burisma starting in April 2014 when his father was vice president under President Barack Obama.
1: In an apparent move to ease tensions with Israel, President Biden yesterday meeting with Israeli President Isaac Herzog. This came just days after Biden had some sharp words for the Israeli government. Entity's Iris Tau has more from the White House. America's commitment to Israel is firm and it it is ironclad.
7: The two reaffirming ties as Israel celebrates its 75th anniversary.
6: President Biden reiterated his ironclad commitment and his utter friendship and love of the state of Israel.
7: But the meeting with the Israeli president, who really just holds a ceremonial position, and comes amid tensions between President Biden and the leader of Israel's ruling coalition, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. And president Biden has criticized Netanyahu's plan for a judicial overhaul in his country. And just days ago, President Biden said this about his cabinet.
8: Some members of his cabinet. And this is one of the most extreme members of cabinets that I've — that I've seen.
7: And President Biden was also facing scrutiny for not having invited Netanyahu to the White House after he returns to office in December. But on Monday, President Biden called Netanyahu and finally extended that invitation in trying to ease tensions.
6: They have agreed that they will meet probably
1: before the end of this year and all the details of the, the wares and the winds are still being worked out.
7: But the White House also made clear that the agreement to meet does not mean that President Biden has given up his opposition to the judicial. Changes back by Netanyahu's government. Reporting from the White House, Aris Hao and td News.
0: The House of Representatives passed a resolution affirming support for Israel yesterday.
1: The move is a direct response to Democratic Congresswoman Pramila Jayapal's now walked back comments about Israel being a racist state.
0: The bipartisan vote was 412 to 9, with nine Democrats voting against it. Jayapal voted for the pro-Israel resolution.
1: The vote to approve the resolution came after Israeli President Isaac Herzog's visit to the White House yesterday. Herzog is scheduled to address a joint meeting of Congress today. Some progressives have said they'll skip it, citing concerns about Palestinian human rights.
0: House progressives have been vocal about their opposition to Israeli settlements in the West Bank and the U.S. sponsorship of Israel's Iron Dome defense system.
1: We're learning more about the American soldier detained in North Korea. Officials say he willfully crossed the demilitarized zone into North Korea where he is now detained.
9: That we're still trying to learn. U.S. officials say they are stumped about why an American soldier facing disciplinary action fled across the Korean demilitarized zone into North Korea on Tuesday. In Washington, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin expressed concern for the soldier. He was identified as Private Travis T. King and was on a civilian tour along the border between the two Koreas.
4: What we do know is that one of our service members who was on a tour uh, willfully and without authorization crossed the military demarcation line. We believe that he is in DPRK custody. And so we're closely monitoring and investigating the situation and working to notify the soldiers next of kin uh, and engaging to address this
9: incident. In terms of my concerns, I'm I'm absolutely foremost concerned about the welfare of our troops. White House spokesperson Karine Jean-Pierre said officials at the Pentagon, the State Department, and the United Nations are all working to understand the situation.
4: Look, he's an American citizen. That is important to note, right, as we know, as a soldier. uh, We have also said our primary concern at this time is ascertaining his well-being and getting uh, getting to the bottom of exactly what happened and what occurred.
9: U.S. officials said Travis King had finished serving time in detention in South Korea for an unspecified infraction and was transported by the U.S. military to the airport to return to the United States. One official said he was not in custody and had already passed alone through airport security when, for whatever reason, he decided to flee. The incident creates a fresh crisis for Washington in its dealings with North Korea at a time of high tension in the region. Japan's defense ministry said North Korea fired two ballistic missiles into the sea near Japan early on Wednesday, local time. The launch comes as a U.S. nuclear-armed submarine arrived in South Korea for a rare visit and a warning to North Korea over its military activities.
1: Here's an update about Travis King. Court documents and a lawyer representing him reveal he faced two assault allegations and was fined in South Korea for damaging a police car.
0: And coming up, frontrunners are drumming up tens of millions of dollars for their campaigns as 2024 approaches. A political analyst explains the advantages and challenges Trump and Biden have if they head to a rematch. That story after the break.
1: Welcome back. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis brushed off concerns about the state of his presidential campaign in an interview yesterday. He says despite what poll numbers show, he believes he's in a good position as an alternative to Trump. Here's DeSantis on CNN yesterday.
9: The proof is in the pudding. I mean, I took a state that had been a one-point state and we won it by 20 percentage points, 1.5 million votes. Uh, Our bread and butter were people like suburban moms. Uh, We're leading a big movement for for parents' rights, to have the parents be involved in education, school choice, get the indoctrination out of schools. Of course, there's bread and butter issues that matter too. Inflation, uh, more economic opportunity. Florida's economy is ranked number one of all 50 states. We've worked hard uh, to make that happen.
1: A new University of New Hampshire poll shows Trump with a double-digit lead over DeSantis among likely GOP New Hampshire primary voters. DeSantis says he has the resources to compete, despite recent reports about his financial position. New campaign finance reports show DeSantis raised $20 million after entering the race in May through the end of June. A supportive Super PAC announced $120 million, but DeSantis has also spent money at a higher rate than the rest of the field and has been forced to cut staff. And more updates on the race for the White House. A morning consult poll in the GOP primary shows Trump with a sizable lead over DeSantis at 55-20%. to 20%. And it says if the election were held today, President Biden would have a 2% lead over Trump and a 4% lead over DeSantis. We're bringing in an expert to hear about fundraising efforts and what the frontrunner's chances are. Lenny McAllister, senior fellow at the Commonwealth Foundation, joins us live. Lenny, it's great to have you with us. President Biden raised $72 million in the second quarter, which is much higher than Trump's $35 million, as the incumbent gets the advantage of having the DNC backing them, whereas Republicans won't have that until there's a a solid nominee. So do you think this early financial lead will help Biden? Uh,
10: Yes and no. I mean, again, a, a good template to look back at is look back at 2015. Who was the clear frontrunner for the Republican nomination in 2015? It was Jeb Bush. People completely forget about the fact that Jeb Bush had a war chest and being a two-term governor of Florida and name ID behind him. We thought it was going to be yet another Bush-Clinton election, something that the American people just rolled their eyes about. Needless to say, that's Not what we ended up getting, nor do we get a Bush or Clinton presidency starting in 2017. So when you look at these numbers here, a full year before we get to nominations, convention weekends and the like, it's good to have this advantage, but it's not enough to say that I'm going to. Keep an an overwhelming, commanding lead. We haven't even gotten to the first debate yet. We know that the debate schedule can be grueling. That's its own soap opera in the media, and we have to see how candidates respond to that. And by the way, we still have Democrats that aren't in love with President Biden, so we don't know what's going to happen. We may end up having a November or December surprise where people start pushing Joe Manchin or somebody else. More into the race on the Democratic side, and that would cause problems even for an incumbent president. Go back to as far back recently as Jimmy Carter in 1980 and see how that worked out for him.
1: There have been rumors about Senator Manchin flirting with this idea at a race for the White House, and and, you know your good your good point here is that anything can happen in these primaries and of course in the general election. Now, some are saying one of Trump's paths to victory centers on viable third-party candidates. For example, Trump won Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin in 2016 with less than 50 percent of the vote, partly due to what some are calling you know these somewhat strong libertarian and green candidates. Do
10: you see this as a possibility in 2024? Not as much as it was in 2016. People forget that Hillary Clinton, who was a former U.S. Senator, a former Secretary of State, and a former First Lady, had a lot of positives and negatives already baked into the cake. There was not a malleable middle to say, hey, let's help you form a new opinion of Hillary Clinton. That didn't exist. So you ran against a candidate that has had that had historic lows in regards to likability. By the way, Donald Trump did as well in 2016. That was so unique for that election. Even going into 2020, Joe Biden didn't have as many lows and the hard opinion about him that Hillary Clinton did, in in part because of her husband being a former two-term president. Again, that's not going to come into play in 2024. You have an incumbent president that, regardless of who the Republican nominee is going to be, that person has to run against an incumbent. You now have to run against the pandemic you have to run against the pandemic economy. You have to run against the mood of the nation after the pandemic, which, again, was something we couldn't think of eight years ago. We were starting to think about four years ago, but now we're seeing how America looks and feels afterwards, and that's going to that's gonna shift how voters look for a leader. There's, there's a reason why people like Tim Scott have gone from 1% to 8% in many polls. It's because people are saying, can I get a conservative view, but with a different tone? We'll see if the Biden-Trump tone and even DeSantis tone that has been resonating with headlines is going to resonate with actual voters when they're making actual votes.
1: Very interesting. And Lenny, Democratic operatives and dozens of Biden aides are telling CNN that they're frustrated and worried about this campaign because of the slow pace. Do you, these doubters are concerned that each day that goes by without an action-packed schedule of campaigning, that it's going to show voters that Biden's age is really as big of a deal as they think it is. What's your take on this?
10: He's taking a huge political risk trying to say, I can't do the campaigning, the, the retail campaigning, I can't do anymore. He was never really good at it in the first place. Now he's even worse. But his calculus is if I can show the American people that the economy is more stable, inflation's coming down, they feel safer from a geopolitical standpoint, and we can kind of settle the field, it will give us just enough of a margin of victory to get a second term. I mean, again, so far, if you look at the polls, he's right. He barely beats Trump. He barely beats it by a little bit wider of a margin. DeSantis, if you're the Democrats and you're going to have to ride with President Biden, A slim victory is just the same as a Reagan 1984 victory. You won. That's what they got in 2020, moving into 2021. That's what they're counting on now. Joe Biden has to show that he is a functional president and try to put his record out there. Because from a retail politics point of view, he doesn't have the energy of Trump. And every other candidate on the Republican side is younger, has more energy and will likely be coming into a general election next year with a lot more energy and momentum.
1: A lot to look out for here. Excellent analysis. Lenny McAllister at the Commonwealth Foundation. Thank you so much. Thank you. God bless. And coming up, lawmakers spar on what's needed to keep the border secure. We take a look at opposing views on national security.
0: And being arrested for committing a crime no longer means going to jail, at least in Illinois, where a no-cash-bail system is on the way. The stories that need
7: to be told, the voices that need to be heard, the truth you need to see. Get unbiased and in-depth news. Don't miss a beat. I'm Stephanie Cox. At MTV, we're here for you. What
4: is China like, really? Is it defined by its giant economy, an oppressive government, or its people? By the worst persecutors or the most courageous freedom fighters? We're lifting the veil to look at global impacts and how close the regime is to your doorstep. From eyewitnesses and analysts, get the facts. Here on China in Focus.
1: Good to have you back with us. The border wall was in the spotlight on Capitol Hill yesterday. And today's Daniel Monahan has more on the debate about border barrier policies and their impact on illegal immigration going forward.
3: Representative Dan Bishop criticized the Biden administration for halting the construction of the border wall.
9: While this purely political decision appeases a radical left, open borders advocacy, it does nothing to enhance the security of Americans. Bishop says the
3: crisis has reached a boiling point with over 200,000 encounters in the month of May alone.
9: A physical border barrier slows down those seeking to illegally cross the border.
3: Representative Marjorie Taylor Green says the border wall keeps drugs out of the country.
0: For El Paso sector has experienced a significant reduction in drug and smuggling activities in areas where the border wall system was built.
3: However, Representative Lou Korea disagrees that a border wall is effective in deterring drug smuggling. The Congressman says the overwhelming majority of drugs are smuggled through ports, and mentioned the use of $200 drones with a payload of a million dollars in fentanyl crossing the border.
10: How is a border wall gonna stop a drone?
3: Korea also questions the logic of the wall as an illegal immigration deterrent.
10: The wall is not preventing migrants from coming to the United States, but rather the wall is directing migrants to cross in more remote and dangerous areas.
3: The lawmaker says this has resulted in more deaths and forced Border Patrol to carry out more rescues.
10: We have also seen more injuries, traumatizing families and costing, costing our hospitals millions of dollars.
3: The Biden administration will have to build some border wall sections. The Department of Homeland Security says it will be building 20 miles of the U.S.-Mexico border wall due to funding that was already allocated to the project. Daniel Monahan, NTD News.
0: A House committee hears testimony that artificial intelligence will transform the way countries fight wars.
1: Alexander Wong, CEO of Scale AI and the world's youngest self-made billionaire, says AI is bringing about a new era
0: one where military's use of AI could drastically change the future. Entity's Colin Fredrickson has more.
1: We're now embarking on a new era of the world, one in which a new technology, artificial intelligence, is likely to set the stage for you know, the future of ideologies, the balance of global power, and, and the future of the relative peace of our world.
11: The House Armed Services Committee held a hearing Tuesday on how the U.S. military should use AI. Key witness Alexander Wong, the CEO of Scale AI, said that the current operating model will result in ruin if the U.S. military doesn't change its ways. He said it will fall far behind other nations, most importantly, China, whose government is spending three times more money on AI. The U.S. does have many advantages over China. The U.S. has the largest fleet of military hardware. This fleet generates 22 terabytes of data every day. That's much more than what China's military generates. To give you some perspective, the typical modern laptop has one terabyte of storage space. All this data can be fed into AI systems. But, Wang testified, that advantage is currently being wasted.
1: Right now, a lot of this data goes onto hard drives, and what, en- what ends up happening are the hard drives are either overwritten with new information, so the old data gets you know, deleted effectively and lost, or these hard drives go into sort of uh, closets or places where they never see the light of day.
11: Wang also said the Department of Defense is a very fragmented organization made up of many different departments, agencies, and commands. It could be difficult to organize the data from so many different places. Wang said the U.S. should find a way to put that data into a central repository, which AI could then analyze. Another key takeaway, even though China collects massive amounts of data from its own citizens, Wang said that data won't help much with military matters. Militaries need to use military data, which Wang called the ammunition of the future. Colin Fredrickson, NTD News.
0: Transgender surgery for minors will remain banned in Louisiana. Republican lawmakers yesterday overturned Governor John Bel Edwards' recent veto of a bill that bans the procedures on minors.
1: This means the ban will go into effect January 1st, 2024. Louisiana joins 20 other states that have already restricted or banned transgender procedures on minors. That includes puberty blockers, hormone treatment and cross-sex surgery.
0: However, opponents say they are confident courts will find the laws unconstitutional and strike them down, similar to what's been seen in Arkansas, Alabama, and Indiana.
1: To override the governor's veto, a two-thirds majority from both the House and Senate was required. Since the GOP currently holds a two-thirds majority in both chambers, the override had the votes needed. A few Democrats sided with Republicans.
0: Louisiana lawmakers also tried to overturn two other bills Governor Edwards vetoed. One was a bill that bars teachers from discussing gender identity and sexual orientation in public school classrooms. The other was a measure requiring public school teachers to use pronouns and names that match students' sex. Both attempts were unsuccessful and will not become law.
1: In other news, a no-cash bail system is coming to Illinois. The state's top court upheld a 2021 law that eliminated cash bail and ordered that it take effect in September.
0: The law was passed by Democrats and signed by Democratic Governor J.B. Pritzker. It was blocked after a judge found in December that it violated the state's constitution.
1: Critics of cash bail say the system effectively creates a tiered system of justice. They say wealthy defendants remain free while poor ones spend months in jail.
0: But cash bail is supported by many law enforcement officials. They say cash bail prevents dangerous criminals from returning to the streets while awaiting trial and ensures defendants show up in court.
1: Under the law, judges can't set any bail, but they can order defendants charged with certain serious crimes to be jailed until trial. However, prosecutors must show they either pose a danger to the public or are likely to flee the state.
0: A California court ordered Johnson & Johnson to pay nearly 19 million dollars. The jury yesterday ruled in favor of a man who said he developed cancer from exposure to its baby powder.
1: Emery Hernandez Valdez filed the suit last year seeking monetary damages. He said he developed a deadly cancer after being exposed to the company's talk since childhood.
0: The trial lasted six weeks. Hernandez was awarded compensation for medical bills and suffering caused, but not punitive damages were awarded against the company.
1: Johnson & Johnson said it will appeal the verdict after insisting the product is safe. The company has faced tens of thousands of similar cases over its talc-based products. Plaintiffs allege the baby powder sometimes contained asbestos in the past, a charge Johnson & Johnson
0: denies. A new mandate against mask wearing. Employees at In-N-Out Burger in five states won't be allowed to wear masks during work. The new company rule begins August 14th and affects employees in Arizona, Colorado, Nevada, Texas and Utah. The new guidelines emphasize the importance of customer service and the ability to show employees smiles and other facial features. The fast food chain said their goal is balancing exceptional customer service and unmatched standards for health, safety and quality. Workers who want to wear masks must get a medical exemption. An endowed burger has about 100 locations in the five states where the rule applies. A majority of the company's locations are in California and Oregon, where the rule doesn't apply.
1: Still to come, Xi Jinping's chief diplomat mysteriously missing from the political scene for weeks. Rumors are rife over his vanishing act. Was it due to health concerns, extramarital affairs, or falling out of political favor?
0: And Spain is fining Amazon and Apple over $200 million. The companies are accused of colluding to keep smaller retailers out. That story, when we return. Welcome back. Amid the diplomatic bustle in China's capital, one thing unusual has stood out. For three full weeks now, Chinese Foreign Minister Qin Gang, a close aide to Xi Jinping, has been missing from the public eye.
4: Qin was last seen in Beijing on June 25th when he hosted officials from Sri Lanka, Vietnam and Russia. That followed the high-stakes meeting with U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken. Since then, Qing has dropped out of sight, absent from this month's visits by U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen and Climate Envoy John Kerry. Last week, China's top diplomat Wang Yi took Qing's place and attended a gathering of Southeast Asian member states in Indonesia. Beijing's foreign ministry explained that Gan couldn't make the trip due to health reasons, but the statement was later left out of the briefing's official transcript. When asked again on Monday about Qing's prolonged absence, a spokesperson said there was no information to provide. Meanwhile, discussions about his disappearance have come under scrutiny. American scholar Phil Cunningham tweeted that in one of his commentaries, remarks about Qing's potential political disfavor were scrubbed in the South China Morning Post, a pro-Beijing newspaper based in Hong Kong. Analysts flag the Chinese Communist Party's habitual secrecy and information opacity, calling it mind-boggling. But on the other hand, speculation is swirling. Hong Kong's pro-China newspaper Xin Daily claimed that Qing vanished from the public eye because of a COVID-19 infection. While posts on social media linked Qing's disappearance to an extramarital affair. His alleged secret girlfriend, a Beijing-backed media anchor, was a suspected double agent. The woman recently gave birth to an illegitimate child with the surname Qing. Others suggested that Qingan was embroiled in the downfall of a senior military official whose son allegedly leaked CCP intel while studying in the U.S. That occurred during Qing's term as China's ambassador to the United States. Similar scenarios have occurred involving other CCP officials. It's been seen as part of Xi Jinping's anti-corruption campaign. Most of them resurfaced later. He himself was out of the public eye for two weeks, shortly before he
1: was named China's top leader in 2012.
0: And now some short headlines from around the world.
1: Spain's antitrust watchdog said yesterday it imposed fines worth over $218 million on Amazon and Apple for collusion. The watchdog said the contracts the company signed included anti-competitive clauses and that over 90% of retailers who were using Amazon's marketplace to sell Apple devices were blocked.
0: South Africa's president says arresting President Putin should he show up at a summit in Johannesburg next month would amount to a declaration of war by his country. Putin is the subject of arrest warrant by the International Criminal Court for alleged war crimes. South Africa is an ICC member and is obliged to arrest him.
1: The United Nations Security Council held its first ever meeting on artificial intelligence yesterday. Members warned that AI could threaten global peace and security. UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres backed calls for the creation of a new UN body modeled on the International Atomic Energy Agency.
0: The head of Britain's MI6 agency says British spies are using artificial intelligence to hamper the supply of weapons to Russia. He also predicted that Western spies will increasingly have to focus on tracking the malign use of AI by hostile states.
1: Stay tuned, 19 days at over 110 degrees. Phoenix has set a new record and it may not be over anytime soon. We have those details.
0: And in New York City, law is pushing some building owners toward carbon capture systems. We hear from the CEO of CarbonQuest, so stay tuned for that.
9: What does it mean to devote your life to the truth? Does it mean investigating communist subversion here in America? Does it mean exposing the deadly fentanyl crisis in the Midwest? we spending late nights and covering deep government corruption because at a time when America's traditional values are under attack, it's the responsibility of righteous journalists to uphold truth and tradition.
0: Good to have you back. The city of Phoenix, Arizona broke, heat, it broke a heat record yesterday from almost 50 years ago when temperatures reached above 110 degrees for the 19th straight day. Some said it felt like opening an oven. Here's a story.
5: Temperatures above 110 degrees Fahrenheit might not be the ideal conditions for a hike, but Amit Bagodi and his friend are still out on the trails near Phoenix, Arizona anyway. They're among the few braving heat that broke records on Tuesday, and it sounds like they won't be doing so for long. It's like you open an oven door, and it's the heat way. Like, when you open, like, an oven, that's what it feels like. Exactly what it feels like. People have been sweltering in the city's scorching heat since June the 30th. In recorded history, Phoenix hasn't seen this many days in a row of temperatures above 110 degrees. The last time it came close was 1974 almost 50 years ago. In case some were unaware, billboards across the city advertised the soaring temperatures. Those were 112 degrees at just after 1 p.m. local time, but soared as high as 118 hours later, according to the National Weather Service. Tom Frieders is the Warning Coordination Meteorologist at the services office in Phoenix. He says there's no indication of the record heat abating anytime soon.
2: The forecast continues to, s- to call for temperatures from 115 to 120, continuing to expand across the region through the end of the week and possibly into the weekend. So uh, we're we're in this for uh, quite a while yet. And again, it's that prolonged heat that becomes
5: more serious. The Arizona Public Service said in a release on Monday that electricity demand has soared to an all-time peak for a second week in a row, thanks to demand from air conditioners. It mirrors similar trends in Texas and elsewhere, as a massive heat dome parked over the southern and western United States keeps large numbers of Americans under extreme heat advisories.
2: It is pretty expansive and uh, uh, abnormally strong for, for even this time of year, and so uh, the impacts are being felt by by millions and millions of people across the country."
5: The record-breaking heat is just one part of the unusual weather being experienced across the U.S. Air quality is poor in many areas, including Rapid City in South Dakota, as smoke from Canadian wildfires wafts across the border. A tropical storm is also hitting Hawaii. Scientists say such extreme weather events are likely to become more commonplace.
1: While more heat is in Arizona's air, less carbon is in New York's carbon capture that's now being used in some New York high-rises. The technology is helping reduce carbon dioxide emissions from urban living. Here's the story.
11: It's a carbon capture room sitting beneath the residential complex in New York City. Equipment here helps liquefy carbon dioxide gas that is produced in the building.
8: Carbon capture systems are designed to reduce carbon emissions from natural gas combustion devices, such as boilers for heating and hot water, cogeneration or combined heat and power for powering and steam within buildings, and also other applications like fuel cells.
11: Buildings emit two-thirds of the city's greenhouse gases, most of them from natural gas boilers that supply heating and hot water.
8: In cities like New York, natural gas emissions are the single highest category of emissions, larger than um, transportation, larger than waste, larger than electricity.
11: Buildings in New York State also produce more air pollution than those in other states. Now a new city law requires building owners to make drastic cuts starting next year. Otherwise, they could face escalating fines. That applies to all buildings larger than 25,000 square feet, the legislation is driving owners toward carbon capture systems.
0: We know that electric is better. It's still
7: just really difficult to switch an entire carbon dependent society
0: overnight. So in the meantime, an, an amazing approach to doing this is to adapt carbon capture and storage technology.
11: CarbonQuest said their new system traps around 60 percent of the boiler emissions. In total, it will cut the building's emissions by more than 20 percent.
8: We capture the exhaust coming off of a boiler or a cogeneration system to prevent carbon dioxide from going out a chimney. Second, we separate the carbon dioxide uh, from the other gases. Third, we liquefy that carbon dioxide. And fourth, we transfer and sell that liquid carbon dioxide, which we call sustainable CO2, to users of that carbon dioxide like concrete manufacturers.
11: One of these concrete manufacturers is Glenwood Mason Supply. The Brooklyn-based company purchases liquid carbon dioxide, then they mix it into the concrete production process.
8: And into the mixer where we have our normal mix design with aggregates, water, sand, and then cement. The CO2 is then injected into the mix and that becomes a solid It goes through the mineralization process when it attaches to the cement becomes a solid and it becomes inert into the brick where it's there forever.
11: Carbon capture technology has been around on an industrial scale for decades, commonly seen in oil and gas companies and manufacturing plants. This marks the first time it has been used on a small scale in buildings. Some federal tax credits are available to building owners who can afford to install the systems.
1: Up next, a decades-long row over who gets to use the phrase Taco Tuesday has reached a conclusion. But not everyone is happy with the decision.
0: And a motorbiking dog cruises the streets of Brazil with its owner. Hear more about the Dua's marvelous mission after the break. good to have you back a decades-old spat between two taco rivals has be- has come to a conclusion taco bell had been on a quest to make the phrase taco tuesday free of trademark restrictions its rival taco john's had previously claimed to own the phrase but has now abandoned it in 49 states
1: but the dispute looks to have kept simmering on the jersey shore Gregory's Restaurant and Bar vowed to keep fighting Taco Bell over the exclusive right to hold Taco Tuesday promotions in New Jersey.
0: Taco Tuesday has become a well-known phrase often used at restaurants and elsewhere. Taco John's worked hard to defend its more than 40-year-old trademark of the term. The fast food chain sent many cease and desist orders over the years to anyone using the phrase.
1: Taco Bell filed with the U.S. trademark regulators in May to get Taco John's and Gregory's Restaurant and Bar abandoned their trademarks. According to Taco Bell, the phrase had become too widely used to belong to any one person or business. They do make a compelling argument. Taco Tuesday, it's pretty common.
0: Well, that's true, but I wonder who made it that common.
1: Mm, Hmm. Good question. Anyway,
0: questions over questions. On to a different story that you definitely want to see. Helmet on, backpack on. A motorbiking dog cruises the streets of Brazil with its owner. The duo are on a marvelous mission. Let's take a look.
8: With their motorcycle whizzing by, Miguel Pereira de Souza and his dog Ruby make a site in the Brazilian metropolis of Sao Paulo. The two are teaming up to deliver food packages for stray dogs. I
3: never put Ruby on the motorbike against her will. She always jumps on the bike, on the seat.
1: She always wants to go. And so I did and took her with me on every delivery.
8: Souza adopted homeless Ruby when she was found injured and curled up under his car. Three years ago, Sousa started a campaign to sell dog food and treats to locals in Sao Paulo. All profits went toward food for street dogs.
0: After the pandemic, there are lots of dogs on the streets. Many people, unfortunately, abandoned the dogs. Miguel's help in donating food, water, time, and encouraging others to donate, I think it's very cool.
8: Videos of the two feeding hungry dogs made them celebrities on social media. So far, they have donated over five tons of dog food.
1: Yo, you mentioned questions upon questions. I wonder where you get a dog helmet like that.
0: Oh, yeah, that's very true. Yeah. And very brave of that dog to come on with that ride. Courage. Courage. <laughs> Courageous <laughs> dog.
1: And, you know, I wonder if it's even legal. I mean, do dogs know how to ride safely?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's... Uh, anyway, let's stop with the questions. <laughs> I have so many. That's all for today's program. <laughs> We'd love to hear from you at goodmorning at NTD.com. So shoot us an email if you'd like. Thanks for watching. I'm Evelyn Lee.
1: And I'm Kevin Hogan.